Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. All right, folks, what's going on? It's Hardwood Handicappers. You heard it. You know it. You clicked on it. And we got a good show on tap for you today. Kelly Bidlin is here. We have a lot to discuss. The Denver Nuggets have a 2-1 series lead over the Miami Heat. Chris Paul is maybe a free agent impending. I don't know. We have uh, we have a lot of different uh, information out there. But Kelly, wanted to start with last night. The Denver Nuggets, they get it done. They have taken their 2-1 series lead over the Miami Heat with, dare I say, a dominant performance over Miami. 109-94. Game stays under the total by, we'll call it like a mile. Uh, we'll discuss that and more. Uh, but I will ask you, Kelly, as you watch the Denver Nuggets, and I didn't jinx it this time. I will say, full disclosure, game two, when they were up by about 15, I texted you, and I think it was along the lines of destroy them, annihilate them, end them. <laughs> uh, ultimately, right. And then they lost that game. Uh, so here, I actually picked up my phone when they were up 21. And I was like, I was just going to send the same text again. And I was like, hmm, let me hold off and see what happens. And actually, okay. sure enough, Michael Malone got pissed because down the stretch, they cut it to nine again. And I even tweeted out, I was like, these effing guys, like, are they really going to blow this thing again? They do not. They end up winning the game relatively comfortably. Uh, surprised by Eric Spolstra pulling the pull, like waving the white flag as early as he did. There's a lot to get to. What, what do you? Where do you want to go? Let's jump right to the end. Let's yeah. jump right to the end because the the other. I think the rest of the game we can kind of it, it's maybe a quicker conversation. But yes, I I was sitting on my couch and when the Heat starters to start Heat starters started to leave the game, I was in shock. I, and really I, quick for our audience, uh, Jim, everybody I probably. It, it, I just want to say for our audience really quickly, uh, a minute 40 left to go, down 13, and that's when he pulls the plug. I'm sure, you know, I don't know if anybody didn't notice if they turned it off by then. That That's 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 an eternity. Okay, okay. I, I mean, I didn't think there was enough made about this on Twitter. On <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched much of the shows today or anything, but like, I mean, I went off on the numbers game a bit of like, what, like, this is the NBA Finals. Like, right. what are you doing? Like, what what is going? Look, I you know I I thought Spo didn't come into Game One having this team ready, right? Like, this is we don't throw a lot of criticism Spo's way. I I don't think he had this team prepared. I don't think he had his. Co- I don't think this coaching staff was prepared rightfully for Game One, and that decision at the end of the game last night was a head scratcher. And I don't think it's well. Obviously, it's not results oriented. Yes, we saw them cut it to nine. But still, like, it's it's just what you said, man. You're talking about that much time left in an NBA game that you're only down 13 points. Like, it's the NBA freaking finals, man. Like, right. maybe it's different if it's November 20th, 23rd or something. But, like, this is the NBA finals. And then 
And then it takes all of a minute later for me to be yelling at Michael Malone, where it's like, are we really padding stats with Jamal Murray here? Just we're leaving him in here in a game that's completely done just so he can hopefully get one ball to bounce his way and get a rebound so we can just proclaim we had two guys that had a triple-double. And luckily, JVT, Hmm. that ball bounced his way, so we got that triple-double. But what are we saying today if Jamal Murray ripped his knee apart or something? Oh, another one. Like, what What are you both doing in those final two minutes? So I will say, I, I had less of a problem with Malone. I actually didn't think about that angle to it because I think what Malone was doing was trying to send a message. His whole thing after game two was effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you saw, you know, the quintessential pissed off Michael Malone rage timeout where they cut it down to single digits. And again, he's just like these, like you mother, like you're really going to blow this right now. We're up by 13. Right. You know, we're up by 21. <laughs> And so I think the message was I didn't I didn't think about the angle of stat padding and getting him the rebound. I think Malone was just like, no, screw you guys. You guys are about to blow this again. And if you're gonna act like this, then you starters are playing until the very end. And we're gonna leave you out there to cement this thing. Cause clearly I can't trust you. They were on a, they were up 21, right? I think that was the largest lead there in the fourth quarter. And they gave up an eight-nothing run almost immediately yep. and allowed the Miami Heat to cut it to single digits with about a minute left to go. I, I that's how I took it from Malone. Because the second they, they he called that rage timeout, he still put them out there. That's that's at least what I thought it was. No, no, I hear you, but I'm trying to find the right time. But you had it was only I think it was only Eric Gordon and Jamal Murray left at that point. Like they pulled everybody else out. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, you know, like Jokic is on the bench. It's only mm. so so I, I get what you're saying, and of course, of course, my outrage. We're talking. We're talking about the span of a minute and a half, of 90 seconds, right, on both sides of this. But still, you have a timeout. Call a freaking timeout and get Jamal Murray out of the game when you know this thing is done and dusted. Like, what what are we doing? Seriously, I know it's a big what if. If that guy suffers any kind of injury in those final seconds, we are sitting here today ripping apart Michael Malone. Like, that is... I, I don't know. I thought both those guys, I was really, really freaking confused at the end of that game. So outside of the start or outside of the end, as we mm-hmm. look at this thing as a whole, yeah, I have to say that my takeaway is, and we'll talk about the total in a little bit, but I wanted to talk about side first. I think that game, I, I'm willing to risk this, Kelly. I'll take this risk once again. I'm willing to say that games one and game three are more representative of what this series is going should be like than what game two was. Game yeah. two, that fourth quarter, again, historic, an offensive rating of 180, over 30 points despite a pace that was absolutely agonizingly slow. But I think we've seen through three games now, Kelly, uh, we can talk about that zone defense all we want for Miami. I think one of the quiet things that is not being discussed enough, Miami's zone defense is not, they're not doing anything against Denver. Yeah, they're slowing the pace down. Yeah, they're forcing them to eat most of the shot clock. We now have consecutive games. A 119 offensive rating last night, well over 120 uh, in game two for the game. Remember, in game one in the first half, the Nuggets had an offensive rating of 131. Mm-hmm. Like they, Their offense has been moving and grooving here against the Miami Heat, no matter what they throw at them. And I, I would, I'm very much looking at this and going, you know, if Denver doesn't have their heads up their rear ends in game two, we're talking about three nothing right now yeah. for the Denver Nuggets. I'm sorry, but I feel comfortable doing it. I feel comfortable looking at this and saying the outlier performances, you can only pull so many rabbits out of the hat to get to this point. This is now a gap that, you know, we're talking about the Nuggets having to lose three out of the next four. Just don't think that's going to happen. I, I just, I think this is representative of what we're going to see here and we'll have more on it tomorrow. 
But I think I'm going to take the same strategy that I did in the Nuggets series and the Sun series. It's going to be Nuggets on the road to win. And like, I think they're going to close this thing out. They're going to go up 3-1. But what did you think in terms of, like, do you agree with that? Like the games one, game three, that's more representative of what this series is like. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, I think you can draw a lot more of that though from last night. I think last night was even way more representative of that than game one, just because, look, in game one, you're in Denver, right? We all know the, you know, heat coming off seven games, right? Like we thought there might have been a situational spot advantage kind of for Denver and then, you know, all that, right? So like, mm-hmm. I obviously I was heavy on Denver then. I think last night's a better example. In, in, in kind of in two similar games, right? Both teams didn't shoot well from three and both games won game three. So that's my, fa- that's my favorite part of JVT, right? Is you can't, because I've been saying it a lot, but I can't sit, you can't sit here and say, okay, this game was won or lost because of three point, just three point shooting, which a lot of these have this, this postseason. But both of these games, so I'll throw game one out the window, move on to last night. Okay, you see both teams struggle, struggle from three. Obviously, Denver doesn't take nearly the same amount that Miami takes or most of the teams take, but five for 18 to over uh, about 28% for Denver. Miami, 11 for 35, 31, 31% uh, from downtown for Miami. Okay, I, so you t- you get a nice baseline now of, okay, how are these teams going to play when they're not hitting threes? And obviously, mm-hmm. it's, way a bit, it's a way bigger part of Miami's game, but you're not hitting threes. Guess what? Miami still couldn't get to the rim. Yeah. They're no, you know, their lowest at rim points in games in the postseason are have three of the four have all been against Denver. Three of their five. Three of their five have all been yeah. against Denver. Um, they're struggling the most against Denver to score at the rim. You've seen Denver game after game contest threes better percentage wise uh, from game one to game two, from game two to game three. That that percentage has increased more and more. So, okay, you're not hitting the threes. So what happens now? This game becomes more inside, more inside the arc and they got beat the crap out of in the paint on the boards. That size advantage we talked about before, before the series we saw again last night and it plays out because you're missing shots. And the bigger teams just gobbling up the rebounds. 58 to 33 rebound advantage. That was pretty much the story of the game. I mean, we could we could talk about Jokic and Murray, and they were fantastic and everything, but you get you're getting 25 more rebounds than the other the other team. Like that is it, that is a lot to ask the Miami Heat to overcome that. Yeah, and you you hit it on the head too, where it came to like the stat that you pulled out right before the series began. Um, Miami not giving up anything within four feet of the basket defensively. <laughs> Dude. Right now, according to Cleaning the Glass in this series, the Nuggets, 48 of 65 at the rim through three games. That's 73.8%. And like you said, so because to your point, Kelly, one of the things you brought up was like, hey, look, you know, when you get to the basket against Miami, well, you know, you tend to finish at a high rate. They just don't give up any shots within four feet of the basket. Yeah, 32% of Denver's shots have come within four feet. Like they're just, and the thing that's, the thing that's brilliant, they're not doing it traditionally. Now, Jamal Murray last night, one of the, I, I think it was, was it the athletic? I think it was one of the athletic write-ups that I was looking at, or it might've been Kurt Heelan over at uh, uh, Pro Basketball Talk. But one of the things that they they pointed out was last night, one of the subtle things that the D- Denver Nuggets did, which, man, I wish I had trained my eye to watch these things. It's yeah. freaking brilliant because you go back and watch it. I they know, actually changed the angles of their screens right. to at least make them a little bit sharper, more toward the basket. So that when Jamal Murray is coming off to some of those screens, he can get a cleaner look to get in there. And you're like, man, that's so brilliant. And then you go back and look and you're right. And Jamal Murray was having success getting to the rim. 
And that was a really big difference for them yesterday. But to get in these three games, again, to take nearly a third of your attempts within four feet of the basket, to do it off of cuts, like in, in dribble, dribble, dribble penetration, or when Aaron Gordon gets the ball, he was so much better in this game again, just like in game yep. one. Oh, little dude on me. Let's go, buddy. Yeah, We're going go. to the yeah, rim. Going right like, to the yep. It was, they, they're just, they're so smart and they can do so many different things. And I think that's one of the subtle things about this series so far. They're not stopping Denver. They're not. And, and they have to be able to keep up offensively. I think the, look, it, it's the, it, it's a game of adjustments, right? When we talk, when we're, when we're in the, when we're in these series and Spo gets a lot of credit, man, I think what you just hit on with the pick and roll stuff was huge last night. That was, I saw Cooper Mo- Moorhead tweet this out, um, who cover, does a lot of work for the heat for NBA.com. Um, Jokic and Murray ran 32 pick and rolls uh, in game three, tying their high mark for the entire season. Now, here's what's interesting, JT. Only produced 1.00 points per. So it's not points per possession. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it it was having an incredible amount of success. But the way that I was like viewing the game last night and then after I saw that stat, here's my takeaway from it is that is – regardless of how effective that is, it's still the most effective offense that the Denver Nuggets can run. Anything else they try to run is outside is outside of their comfort zone, right? And that I think that's what we saw in Jamal Murray struggle with in game two, and now he's back more in a comfortable position in game three. And like you talked about, some of that is just changing up some screens and different levels that you're, you're setting them at, different angles that you're setting it at. It just allows him to, I think, play a lot more comfortable. And you see it, you know, equate to what? A 30-point triple-double? Like, that's pretty mm-hmm. dangerous. Yep, it, it's been brilliant. And, I, and so let's let's lead this into the total the argument, the mm-hmm. discussion here. Because so yesterday, you know, as we discussed, I, I played under. Um, and actually, like, man, watching that first quarter, I actually thought it was screwed. It, this is This is why... <laughs> I kept it, waiting to jump in too because yeah. I told you I was gonna I was gonna look Denver live I was gonna look under live I yeah. didn't get opportunities to jump in at all but I was I was there I thought I was going to in that first quarter second quarter so this is why again this is sometimes there's how do I phrase this like okay here I'll put it this way so I think I mentioned this to you so we we do our pro tips at Vsin right mm-hmm. and it, I was I was teasing Stormy and Stephanie yesterday because a lot of the times when I do Lombardi line when it comes to the end of the show. I just have two sets of eyes on me going, what's the pro tip, John? And so I'm like, I don't know today, like just throw in something about like tempo and pace and how that affects like totals and how you're going to bet them. But yesterday was such a good example of it because yesterday the nuggets were wildly efficient. The heat actually started out somewhat efficiently as well in the first quarter, but the pace was so freaking slow and yesterday, again, they ended up with, I want to say, did they end up with 92 possessions at the most? Let me double check here. 91. It was so freaking slow that even with Denver's efficient offense, that thing didn't even come close to going over the total. And I do wonder now, as we kind of spin this forward, Kelly, one of the things that is in Miami's pocket that they have not pulled out yet, and they try to do it a little bit more back at home, this team has not run at all. Again, last night, transition frequency off live rebounds of 17.4%. So that's way higher than what we've seen in the first two games. But that has not been something that Miami has tried against one of the worst transition defenses in the NBA. They have not tried to run against them. And I wonder if we start to see that because they just like you're watching yesterday. Again, you're not stopping Denver. So like you're allowing them to walk the ball up. 
get into their offense, take most of the shot clock, but still get a high percentage look. Then you come back down, you're walking it up, you're running your offense. Like at some point, you got to try to speed them up. Like they're, they're, they're willing to play slow. This is what they want to do with you too. So why are we not trying to push this tempo a little bit more? Yeah, and I don't have the I don't have the game two numbers in front of me right now, but it it felt like in game two they were doing that more, where it was oh. there was a lot of it was a lot of fast than slow for for them in game two. It felt like watching the game where it was like they Kelly? tried to speed Denver up, but then if Denver got back, okay, then they'd slow down and milk the clock. Um, Kelly, you're you're I consider you a friend. Um, well, I say this wrong. respectfully. Uh, yeah, got awfully wrong because, and I say this because I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Transition frequency off live rebounds, according to cleaning the glass for Miami in game two, 4.3%. Jeez, okay. Yeah, there like, you go. That's, that's insane now, how slow that is. They are one of those teams, because this is an angle we talked about before the series, right? And it's like they're a team that's not, it's not like they ran, you know, really at all right during the regular season either. Um, but, you know, you're looking for it. You're going against a Denver team. Where I, I would imagine Miami, basically every series through the playoffs, right? It's okay. Hey, we're outmatched, right? How are we going to beat this this team? What do they do? What do they do poorly? Well, you've been saying it for fr- five freaking months. Like the the one part of Denver's game where they where they hurt it where they hurt it is this transition game. But it's man, like the fact that they really haven't even tried to take advantage of it. it, it it's kind of mind boggling. It's And so one of the rebuttals that I've gotten, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but their response was, well, Miami doesn't run. You can't become something that you're not. My response is, and I think I brought this example up on the podcast, but I'll bring this up one more time. In the regular season, let me get this number uh, officially right so I can tell you about this difference here. Uh, let's see. Getting it's, this also gotta be, it's also going to be like the easiest part of your game to change. Christ. Like, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, you're talking about off live rebounds. Like, just get the ball and go. Go. Okay. Yep. All right. So here it is. So in the regular season, the Phoenix Suns off of live rebounds, their their frequency percentage was 26%. That was 26th yeah. in the there NBA. So it was, it was very slow. However, when they played Denver, yep. their frequency was 33.1% off of live rebounds. We saw it. When they played in Phoenix, they were like, we have to run. Yes. This is what we have to do. So don't tell me you can't change because like you said, it's as simple as getting a rebound and instead Go. of walking, <laughs> yes, run. Like, that's, all, that's, that's all you have to do. And so I get, I get that's not probably part of your game. But like you said, it's the easiest way to adjust. And I'm just, I'm really surprised that we haven't seen it. And I mean, look, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be, yeah, I'm not claiming to be Pat Riley or, or some legendary basketball yeah. coach, right? But you know what I know about it? I mean, what about, what I know about basketball, JVT, is that you randomly switching from man to man to a two three zone in the NBA is going to be a lot more difficult for me to figure out than just off of a live re- rebound getting a ball and going, okay, watch, go, 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 go. You yep. know what I mean? Like, that's so, some basic middle school basketball crap right there, man. Like we ain't, we are not talking about extremely, extremely difficult X's and O's to figure out here. And, and for anybody wondering too, because I, I referenced the Phoenix number one more time, if you're thinking, well, 26% to 33%, how much of a gap that is, that's bottom five to top five in terms right. of frequency. Yes. Yes. So like that's that's a really big change for a team like Phoenix to run that much. So don't tell me you can't do it. So I'm it's funny, like I'm kind of building the case, like, let's see this, Miami. Don't do it though, because I want Denver to win this series in less than, <laughs> <laughs> in less than seven games. But I, I'm just I am surprised, which brings me to this. So if we're talking about the way this series has been played, 
agonizingly slow. Glacial pace. Average still under 90 possessions per game. Miami, clearly, it's not worked out. You know, you're down 2-1. You need a historic fourth quarter to win game two. Do we finally see Miami start to pick up the tempo? And thus, you know, I've been kind of, I've been on the total for the last two games. Over in game two, I even told Tim Murray when I was on with them, I was like, "Eh, Tim, you know, after that, I think we got kind of lucky because that efficiency was crazy for both teams. Game three under, I kind of, I think I'm going to, Oh, it's actually, it's the zigzag, but with the total, I think I'm kind of back leaning here to the over just because we're down to two ten and a half. And the one thing we haven't seen is the opponent who's down, try to run a little bit more. And if that's going to be the case, you know, you might be in a situation here where we have one team in Denver. They can't stop them. I think we know that for sure. They can't stop them. And if Miami all of a sudden is going to pick up the tempo, maybe we're in a position that we're going to get a little bit more of a higher scoring game. So we'll see if that's the case, but what do you make of that? Cause I think that's the one angle I'm, I'm definitely going in with. Yeah. I think and I'll give Gil credit. Cause he's, he's kind of been all over the total through this series too. And basically like you basically same side, you know, same kind of side as you uh, every time we've talked, I think the, I think you're dead on cause he was asking me about that today. And I think that that number has, adjusted I'm I'm just pulling up some three-point numbers right now but okay so it's like the one thing to keep in mind so you're moving the they're moving you're adjusting this number pretty significantly again right just Mm -hmm. like we saw from game two to game one and game one and game three again have something very similar in common these two these two teams both shot like crap from three yeah I mean like this is so like you you're talking about a a uh, you know, a co- a coaching, you know, a coaching thing and a scheme, a schematic thing and pace thing with them speeding up the game as just the best way to probably have a best chance of beating this team in general. Add on top of that, that more of these three balls should fall for both teams. Then, yeah, like I, I think it would be even if it was, even if we were seeing the same number, you know, two fifteen. If we even if we were seeing that again, I think I'd be like, well, I'd probably yeah. lean over on this next game. So, um. Man, I, I think I'm probably gonna walk in walk into next game just like I did this past game, which which you know, be honest, equated in zero bets for me. It meant zero bets on the game for me. But it will probably be a live look at the live look at the over. I don't know if I really want if I'm running to jump in here at two ten and a half, two eleven. See, I've even seen it go up to two eleven a couple places. Um, not running to jump in on that. Completely agree with you though that I that would be the I, if I had to go over under it would be over and that's probably what I'll look live for um, in game four here. Mm-hmm. The side uh, I got no the side I got no freaking clue. Good, good good for you, man. I I you're holding to like you 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 are keeping to what you felt this whole way about the Heat and the Nuggets and, and more importantly the Nuggets. I think that's what we need to keep keep saying is hey we felt. We, you can say whatever we want about the Heat and where we've where we've maybe and especially me have been wrong with that team in the past, but like you're holding to what you believed in with this Nuggets team pretty much the entire time. Um, personally, I'm, I think I'm staying away from siding Game Four completely. I don't think I want any part of it because I really think this is if there was one game that the Miami Heat I, th- I feel like had the best chance to actually no. come together and steal, it would be this game. I'm done. I'm done. I'm full. I'm full heel. They're you're done. Dunking on them. All right, Dunkin'. let's go. The, like the, fl- the fire is out. Enough with the ridiculous performances. I feel that Denver's going to come out there and snuff them out. All right? We're done. We're done. Um, I will say, um, to your point about, I will. I think this is a good lesson. I, I did not come into the postseason slamming the table and being like, the Nuggets are winning the West. I think it's a good example of series by series, evaluating it and going, well, the market's kind of low on Denver here. Okay, let's do it. 
hey, the market's kind of low on Denver here against the Suns. All right, let's mm-hmm. play it this way. Hey, the market's kind of low here against. So like each step of the way, by extension, have I been on the Nuggets the whole way? Yes, but I think it's a good lesson of, hey, if you see something that you don't think is accurately priced, you know, stick to your guns because yeah. on the chance that you are right, you're going to be able to find a lot of success down the way. Now, you know, just, this is interesting. Just like, you know, just to back you up, JBT, just yeah. like all those Miami Heat betters we've just been hearing from nonstop who have, you know, made millions yeah. of dollars this postseason, I can only assume based off of their reactions after they win. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's a lot of them. It's it's so weird. Like we talked about, I think there's just a joy in dunking on the entity that is Vegas, even though there's you know a it lot really of is. I, don't else. Get, I really don't get it. I really don't get it. That's all it is, and I don't get it. Well, I think I, I think I texted this to you, and this is going to open a whole other can of worms. <laughs> um, but I also think part of this pushback on the hey Vegas and nobody believed in Miami. I've told you a lot of this like deep rooted like sentiment. It's tied into people who don't like math and not like, I'm not talking like two plus two. It's a, I would willing to bet if you were to make like a Venn diagram, you know what I mean? Or whatever. There's a lot of crossover of people who are dunking on Vegas with people who don't believe in analytics and kind of want to put that together. You know, like there's a lot of, I heard, you know, one of our local programs out here, one of our sister stations, I, for those who don't know, I do local radio here in Las Vegas. One of the new hosts, her name's Lindsay Brown. You know, we, we played a clip where Lindsay was like, uh, hey, you know, the, the model for ESPN, where it's like 97.3 in favor of Boston. She's like, that's why I don't believe in math. And it's like, well, that's one model. That's not like just n- not maths everywhere. It was like 97%. You know what yeah, I mean? Like that's yeah. one way to attribute the numbers. But I do think there's something there in that there's Plus, a lot of dunking. Said, there's there's a 3%. It's not 100%. It's well, 97%. That's, <laughs> people aren't ready to hear that. Like that's the other thing. There's If I were to seriously present to like, especially like, oh, here, I'll invoke one of our, our friends. Uh, if I were to somehow get a spot on uh, DraftKings, or excuse me, Meadowlark on the DraftKings network, mm-hmm. and I were to go into that show and be like, guys, you realize that the 3% happened. Like the model was right. The 3% just happened for Boston. They, 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 they pull their hair. I think I'd probably kill them the spot. So nobody's ready to have that conversation. But I think that's <laughs> yeah. what it kind of ties into. It's just, hey, you know what? We don't like numbers. We don't like math, blah, blah, blah. So we'll I, I see. That's an interesting too. conversation. I'm going to bring up one other show. And I, I, I usually don't like talking about other shows, but I think I've made my my feelings known about Mike Wilbon on here. The one the one I got to give credit for is, is man, JVT, Tony Kornheiser, he tries. He really, he Good. does. He tries. He really does try. But he even, he had a line ye- yesterday before the game and I was kind of chuckling about it because I think it, I think it goes to what you're talking about where, yeah, especially the math and then understanding just how these lines are set, right? And what home court's worth and all that kind of stuff. So Kornheiser kind of before the game is just like, he couldn't believe that Miami wasn't favored because it was back in Miami. You know what I mean? He was like, how is, how is this possible? And it's like, I'm just, I'm just kind of chuckling. It's like, and I'm like, Tony, I see you trying, man. I got to respect that. You're, you're at least trying here. Because you're trying to figure out why is a spread the way it is, yeah. right? But Will go, they, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I'm sure that was. I, I feel like my <laughs> mind just like mutes him out now. Yeah, exactly. Like as there's a big like DraftKings like thing underneath. Him, right. You know? yeah. It's like, no, 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 they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Sports betting is dumb. Um, <laughs> exactly. As usual, our update two. Um, right now, series leader in points by 22 points. That would be Nikola Jokic still holding on strong. So that looks pretty good. Um Leader in rebounds, Nikola Jokic had taken the lead there. Forty-two rebounds for him. He's got a three-rebound lead me over the Brandon audience. Ohio. The numbers, because we don't, I, don't, I actually don't have this in front of me. This is interesting. Say again. Give me the numbers. So twenty-point lead. Who's second? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's better. Oh, sorry. All right. So Jokic has... No, no, that's a better way to present it. So Jokic has 100 points. Uh, again, we're, for those who are listening and wondering if you're just getting joining us, we're, we're going over these because, of course, uh, these are updated throughout for the sure. series, but you yeah. can bet on stat leaders for the series. Uh, so Jokic, leader, leader right now with 100 points. Second place is Jamal Murray at 78. So a little bit of a gap there for Jokic yeah. and Jamal Murray. In terms but, okay, of... Okay, who's third? Jeez. Uh, third would be, uh, I think you can guess this one. Who's third? I mean, Butler? Yeah, uh, Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo, yeah. yeah. Bam Adebayo. I mean, th- that one's done and dusted. Like, there, there is yeah. nobody catching Jokic at this point. Yeah, I feel like I'm not in a pretty only, good not position. Not even his own teammate, I don't think. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it like I'm in a pretty good position there with Jokic uh, in terms of uh, leading this thing in terms what of What number points. did you get on that? It was like plus 115. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah was he was great, the favorite, but yeah. Uh, all right, let's see. So from points, let's go to rebounds really quickly. Uh, Jokic again, the leader, 42 rebounds. This one's tighter though. Bam Adebayo is sitting at 39. So just a three rebound difference, but it's between these two because in third, uh, God bless his soul benched for Chris Brown, uh, Christian Brown, uh, Michael Porter Jr. with 26. So three rebound difference between first and second and a 13 rebound difference between second and third. So it's going to come down to Bam Adebayo or Nikola Jokic. For series yeah. leader in terms of total rebounds, updated uh, odds assists, there. updated huh? odds: Jokic minus six hundred, Bam plus four hundred, Michael Porter Jr. two hundred fifty to one. Okay, yep. That how about accurate? Yeah. Yep. Give me the uh, give me the updated odds for this. So this is something we talked about going into last game. Uh, Jamal Murray still holding strong as the leader in assists right now. After last night, as we mentioned, he's had ten assists in all three games so far. Yeah. Uh, Thirty assists total for Jamal Murray. He's got a two-assist lead on Nikola Jokic, who's got 28. Jimmy Butler, eight assists behind at 20. Is Jokic still the odds-on favorite to lead in assists? Minus 390. Man, that's high. Man, yeah. that is high. Well, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm only kind of joking when I say this, but I mean, we're gonna, we, we've heard, we've, we've heard, you know, everybody making a big deal out of him having 10 assists in every game so far, Jamal Murray. And then I saw with my own eyes last night in an NBA finals game, a head coach leave him in there to pad his stats <laughs> to get a triple double. So if we're remotely close to uh, 10 assists anytime again, why yep. wouldn't we think we're going to try to force the issue with Jamal Murray? So I got no, anybody that wants to make that bet at plus 280 on Jamal Murray with a lead in assists. I got no problem with that. Yep. It, it, uh, you know what? I, I do think, though, it correlates a lot with what we talked about with these markets before the series is I would actually I would only make that bet at plus 280 if you're in the camp of of you where you think this is done in five games. Yeah. Right. Like take take his take, take the games out of it. Like, you know, if this goes on longer, Jokic got a much better chance of winning it. Then. Yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, and then finally, the last category that we do, uh, they have uh, three point makes. Gabe Vincent, still the leader with 10, but the uh, gap is closing. Jamal Murray, two three-point makes behind with eight, and then two guys tied for third at six three-point makes. That would be Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry. So I think, again, you know, as you said, as you said, if you're somebody like me who believes this series is going to be pretty short, you're not really getting involved with anybody past Jamal Murray. If you are somebody who not only thinks this series is going to be long, but you're also thinking that this series is going to go to Miami still, uh, I think you're betting like a Duncan Robinson type or somebody like that to maybe usurp Gabe Vincent, but also Gabe Vincent got screwed because one, he had a, a, a small, or excuse me, a poor shooting performance, but also took some fouls early that cut into his minutes. So 
that yeah. uh, didn't help him yesterday. Yeah, and some bad some bad calls and some bad foul, fouls there yeah. too. But they, they were but it was both sides of that. But that yeah, I kind of I mean you can't treat a Miami Heat legend like that. Come on, refs, get your heads out true. of your asses. Uh, for... um, th- this one's interesting, JVT. These these odds that were interesting. Gabe minus one thirty in that market. Jamal Murray my, only minus one hundred five. Uh, yeah, that's interesting to me. And then let's stretch it even further. So how much further behind is Duncan Robinson? He is four three point makes behind Gabe Vincent. Sixty to one. Yeah, that's a big freaking number for a guy who is a solely three point shooter. Pretty much is only four threes behind. I, yeah, you know, again, like you said, I think you've got you've got to believe the Heat are going to push this at least another game. I th- I think I would still need to believe that before I'm getting involved. But man, that's a big number. Here's one for you. I mean, again, that could change just, in a game, right? Yeah. Duncan Robinson has one big game. Th- th- this this could completely change. Of course. Now here's my here's my if you're again, this is for all you Heat backers that have been just just piling cash in on Miami. Yeah. If you think Miami's if you think Miami's not dead, if you think they're coming back in this series, again, it's a, it's a 2-1 series deficit, so it's not like it's crazy to think. Max Struess is the leader in three-point attempts so far in this series. Also He's 61. chucking one. Yep. And if this series gets extended, that means more three-point attempts for Struess. He is capable of, of hitting them at a high efficiency. And if Miami is coming back in this series... Struce is going to be part of it. Yep, they're going to be hitting threes. Again, I'm not going to play this because I think this ends quickly. But if you're somebody who thinks Miami can still come back and has faith that it's going to happen, I don't think I would say no to, as I have called them, a sprinkle on uh, Max Struce to lead the series in three-point makes. I'm betting both of those. If, If I'm someone who believes the Heat take at least one more game, I, I don't even... I think you got to think they t- take at least one more. If you're someone who thinks they could, they take at least two more. I think you have to. I think you need to bet Struess and Robinson both at yeah. sixty. I bet them both at sixty. They're both at sixty freaking one. Your point. I mean, if they if they come back, that's likely how they're going to do it. It's the three ball. That's what they do. Yeah, actually, I actually think we stumbled upon something there. There we go. See. It's all about. I mean, it, it's got to be for it's for the Heat believers out there. I'm not running yeah. to bet it, but yeah, yeah I think exactly. if if you're if you're a Heat believer, that's a bet. That's got to yep. be a bet. All right, we'll have more on Game Four coming up tomorrow on Harvard Handicappers. Let's take our break. Uh, on the other side, we'll wrap it up. We have spent a lot of time here, but it does seem that Chris Paul might be on the verge of finding a new home. At the very least, something is going to happen with his deal over there in Phoenix. We'll discuss that and uh, what the future might hold for one CP3 and the Phoenix Suns. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Kelly, you tweeted out earlier today a uh, graphic for those who want to go check it out. Uh, let me see. What is it? What's your Twitter handle? Because you changed it. At uh, Kelly Bidlin. It's easy. Cat Kelly Bidlin. The there we go. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, someone, a... someone stole my, my name before. Uh, and that's why I had different Twitter handles. And then like like two years ago, on the air, Matt Brown's asking me, why the hell do I do I just don't have my name because he's complaining about how his is so simple so he could never just have, you know, at Matt Brown because there's like 2,000 right. of them out there, right? And I'm like, no, man, someone has the account. And then I went to go search for it and it was opened back up. So I took it. Good. Guy probably died. Good. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Other Kelly Bidlin. R.I.P. <laughs> Uh, you'd be surprised too. Yeah, a lot of JVTs out there, but me JVT available. There you go. Right, so you a good one. I, I like at me at me JVT, and I like the at no don't Josh. Those are two of my favorite, twi- more favorite Twitter handles than Visa. Have ever have ever told you the story of why I have my Twitter handle? There's a story actually. So I no, think you'll no, appreciate. No, please do. You'll appreciate it because it ties to local radio. So for those who you know, you listen to radio, you hear them. Uh, we have remotes. You know, hey, come join you know us over here at this car lot. We'll give you free T-shirts and stuff. So it was like one of my very first remotes given to me as a producer slash talent when I was doing local radio coming up. And you know, you have to record those fifteen second liners. Yeah. But this this client needed every bit of information in it. Like that was part of the the buy. And I could not for the life of me. I spent thirty minutes in this edit bay trying to get all this information into a fifteen second read <laughs> while saying it's going to be me down there. So eventually I got, I got pissed and I'm like, I can't do this. Hey, join me here. And I rattled off everything. Right. So I, you know, we use the liner and again, like I'm a producer, I'm coming up, like I'm making a little bit of a name for myself, but whatever. And I I just got moved on to the afternoon drive show and we play it. And the host hears it for the first time. And we come back on the air and he goes, who are you? What are you saying? (laughs) Oh, just join me. Like they know who you are. Like, who are you? Nobody knows any there is any idea who you are, and yep, so fair point. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I had to explain to him, like, Join no, me. look, it wasn't an ego thing. Yeah. So there we go. I changed my Twitter handle to me JVT, and uh, yeah, roll with it. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. See, that's great. That's, it's a great Twitter handle already. Then you get a background story. There you go. Beautiful. Good. Story of arrogance. Also, the story of who first called me JVT, Dave Koken. Uh, always will we'll really? shout that out. Okay. Yeah, Dave Koken was the first one to call me that. He asked me, uh, what's your billing, kid? And I said, I don't know what that means. And he goes, what do they call you on the air? And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, John. He's like, nah, it's boring. Let's go with JVT. And I was like, all right, cool. And there we go. That was JVT. Thank you, Dave Koken. Uh, all right, so Chris Paul, uh, speaking of Twitter, you tweeted this out. Chris Paul to land with the Phoenix Suns. You can go check it out at Kelly Bidlin, uh, minus 180. Lakers are the second choice at seven to one. Clippers eight to one. Then you get to the double digit Spurs, Heat, Celtics, all at ten to one. Um, I guess sl- slate update on those. Uh, ooh, Suns number the same. Lakers down to six. Yeah. Clippers to nine, and then everything's to everybody else is ten to one or higher. Yeah, and that makes sense. I, I think I I still think that the Suns are the best cho- choice at winning a championship. I think Chris Paul, knowing that the window is obviously very close to being closed. Is probably going to do anything to get a deal to stay with Phoenix. That means taking pay cuts, doing whatever it is. I think the Suns are the rightful favorite, and I don't really see anything crazy happening here. I know Chris Haynes tweeted out, like, he's gone. Like, it's it's not what's happening, and I think that he'll probably remain a Phoenix Sun. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good I think this is a smart move by Phoenix. Um, we've been talking about it ever really ever since they acquired Kevin Durant, that just this roster is gonna be tough to win with as currently constructed. So essentially this is what's going to happen. 
Um, what they're going to do is by do, by pulling this move and waving him, and e- e- by waving him, what's going to happen is they're going to have th- what they're going to free up three point two million dollars. Okay, in ca- in cap room is what that's going to happen. They're going to still owe him what it's over fifteen million, I believe, in guaranteed money. Is what they're mm. going to have to pay, but they can spread it out over uh, over a few years. Uh, it's going to save him three point two million dollars in cap room, as opposed to a cap charge of thirty point eight million dollars this year with Chris Paul. So, regardless, that's what's going to happen if they waive him. Then they can re- they could restructure a deal with him and bring him back if they wanted to. Um, I have no problem with that, but I think I think this initial move. Uh, of waving him is the right one, John. I think just regardless, we're talking about a 38-year-old point guard who is not the future. He's not going to be the guy who you hope is side-by-side with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant for the next five years, right? Like, it's just not going to happen. So I think the idea of if you can bring him back, um, I, I think he still makes a lot of sense there. Like, we just we all have to have realistic expectations of what he is at this point in his career. I think that's what Phoenix is basically telling him. Right. Where it's hey mm-hmm. man, like we'd love to have you back. We love you here. You, you ain't worth the money. We're going to be paying you though. So we got to figure something out here together. Um, more macro though, th- this is, I-, I hope if I was a Phoenix fan, I-, I would hope that this is a sign of things to come this off season where they're going to do everything they can to try to free up not only every dollar they can this off season, but for the future. So what is that? What am I really talking about? I'm talking about DeAndre Ayton, right? It's, it's, I don't think he's a good fit for what this team needs and how they could best succeed going forward. Obviously you gave him a crap load of money a year ago. You've got to work. That would be, it, it's going to be a, a really tricky deal to figure out how to trade him. I would think, but man, if they can, even if it doesn't allow them to be absolutely ready this year, JVT, if it allows them to be ready two years from now, fine. But, like, you need to get those right pieces around Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. It, it, you got to start doing it sooner rather than later. So the sooner you start making moves like this brings you to that roster that you would, that ideal roster that you could put together quicker rather than later. But, you know, it's, we're not talking about three years down the road where this team is going to be truly, truly at the height of its competitiveness. Sorry, I just got um... – I just got distracted. A Stephen A. Smith clip just came across my Twitter feed. Stephen A. Smith, quote, Jokic isn't known for having some kind of dominant post game. That's not his game. He's, I can't, I can't. He's a, he's a brilliant post player. I can't do it. Um, I, I, I forget what show was, what show was the other day where they were like, how would he match up against big men of the past? And it, and it was, Actually, I think it was on the game. I think it was it during was. game was. broadcast. JVG and Jeff Van Cundy's going nuts. He's like, he would murder all of them. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, this guy's got a game of a game of a point guard in the same body as some of the old guys. Like, are you, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, but I think Van Gundy's thing, because I think uh what did Mark Jackson be like? Mark Jackson said something like, uh, he could play or you know, Breen, because Mark Jackson was like, I wish I could put him in a time machine and see him play against the big guys. And, I'm so tired of Mark Jackson. Yeah, and Breen Breen was like, he you know, uh he could play in any era and Van Gundy to his credit goes, No, he would be a star. <laughs> that's what it was. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's what... <laughs> um and really quick, can I just say before we get out of here, because we are running long. Yep. Um you, you mentioned like the macro thing with the Phoenix Suns. We'll go even more macro when it comes to the NBA. I, I think people should be ready for this offseason, Kelly, because this is the last year before the new CBA stuff with the salary cap kicks in. We were talking about the different aprons and the yep. restrictions on teams that go past the luxury tax. 
this is, I think we're going to see a lot of different stuff like this in terms of player movement and restructuring deals and doing all of that. Like this is going to be teams getting ready for that next season in terms of the salary cap. So I'm very interested to see. And I think this is just one of the small things we're going to see. Chris Paul restructuring his deal or finding somewhere else. But get ready for stuff like this because it's going to happen in a big way over the next few months, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. One more thing real quick before we get out of here. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if you saw this today. And I'm going to go thing or not a thing with you. The uh, Portland Blazers hiring Poo Jeter, who I'm not really that familiar with, but someone who has worked directly with Scoot Henderson over the past couple of years. And the Blazers have added him as someone to basically work with their G league team and also develop talent mm-hmm. thing or not a thing. Scoot Henderson talked about it today and sounded pretty dang excited. Yeah. I'll, I'll say thing. I think there's a little bit of a thing there. I think yeah. that's a bit of a thing. Yeah. I'll say thing. Although man, I, like I said yesterday, man, they need to trade Lillard. I like, Dude, a core of Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons, you're whatever assets. You're wasting somebody's time. Yeah, yep, somebody's time is being wasted. Yeah, man, it'd be crazy. All right, I, I think it's different if it's if it's three of them. However, it is. I think it's fine. You're talking yep. four of those guys. No, not because really. yep. as as you know as as tall of a guy is as Shaden Sharp is right. And Anthony, Anthony Simons, not he's the smallest guy. It's not like we're moving them to small forward, power forward. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like these guys are still guards. Yep. Oh, man, it's a core to build around, but you got Damian Lillard. It's not like he's bad. It's just they just the, the windows don't match. The windows do not match. Yep. All right, with that, uh, like, rate, review, subscribe. We're going to be all done here. We'll be back tomorrow for our full Game 3 preview, or Game 4 preview, excuse me, of the NBA Finals. Uh, as always, please check out our colleagues' work. We have a bunch of stuff going up. Of course, VGK looking to take a 3-0 series lead um, tonight, I believe, right? We have a Stanley Cup Final yeah. tonight. Uh, so make sure you check out Andy and Danny's podcast, NHL betting podcast. Uh, I've been getting hot and heavy into the Major League Baseball. Uh, Adam Burke, uh, of course, does a daily podcast there and the write-ups you can check out. Also check out, this is on me, Danielle, if you're listening, because I know you listen every once in a while. I apologize. I have to text you back uh, or just text you in general. We're going to get WNBA Wednesdays back on track because Danielle's doing a great job with the Bet the W pod and the write-ups whenever there's yeah. WNBA games up on the website at vcin.com. Yes. Did you bet the aces? <laughs> I, I've bet them like once so far, but every, every day that goes by and I see them win, I'm like, why haven't I put a futures bet in on them yet? Like, yeah, I got just, it. I might do that now. Just, yeah, just do it now. Yep. Uh, all right. With that, like, rate, review, subscribe. Check out the website of Eason.com. We will talk to you on Friday here on Hardwood Handicappers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.